All right, y'all, welcome to the Mad Rhythms Podcast Network. This is the Either And Podcast, and I'm your host, Brill Barrett. When there's contention and controversy, most people believe the solution has to be either or. I believe the solution lies somewhere in either and. Welcome to another episode of the Either And Podcast. I am your host, Brill Barrett, and today I have the pleasure of having two of the queens of dance in Chicago joining me. In honor of Women's History Month, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but first, let's introduce them. First up, we have... Regina Perry Carr, Artistic Director of Muntu Dance Theater. All right, and next up, we have... Elaine Blair... Director of Sammy Dyer School of the Theater. School of the Theater all the way. So let's start off with, um, tell me a little bit first, Regina, about your upbringing in dance. My upbringing in dance. So it's a, it's a fun, adventurous story. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we are here. So I began, if you ask my mom, uh-huh. my mother, Regina Tates, I began dancing at three years old. Okay. But I did, but formally <laughs> five years old, Okay, I began my training with Miss Charlene Rose in the Chiquetti Technique of Ballet. Okay, okay. Private lessons. Okay. Um, and that's important, too, because I think that lends to my story later and why I like small classes. Uh. You know, we could talk about that a little later. <laughs> <laughs> I like large classes, too, but, you know, hey. Um, and from there, I was always in West African dance because my mom taught. So I, there is footage of me at five you could blackmail me with. <laughs> um, doing West African dance. The first West African dance I learned was from Ghana, Agbaja. Mm. Say that three times real yeah. fast. Three times real fast. <laughs> <laughs> three times real fast. That was and, good. That was good. And then I went over um, to... Najwa Dance Corps. Okay. And started taking classes there um, with Mama Andrea Vincent. Mm-hmm. And then when my mother joined Muntu Dance Theater in the 80s, late 80s, like 88. Okay. I started taking, well, actually, I was afraid to dance at Muntu. Like, mm. I wouldn't take any classes. And my mother said I would get on her nerves because <laughs> when we would get home, and she would practice, I would correct her. Uh, and so she was like, look, little girl. <laughs> you ain't even you taking know, classes. You're not even taking these classes, and you're trying to tell me what to do. Uh-huh. But, you know, decided to take a chance. I was like 11, 12, mm-hmm. and got on the floor, and, you, you know, like the rest since. is history. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because she gave me a choice because there were other companies in the – City mm-hmm. at the time, like there was, um, uh, was Sundance, 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 Sundance right? Sundance yeah. was around, uh, Alayo Children's mm-hmm. Dance Theater was around, and you know, you, you had Najwa, and then it was one too. And my mother was like, Well, where do you want to dance? And I'm like, Well, let's go with the challenge, <laughs> so stick with the challenge, and that uh-huh. was one too. So the rest is history, honestly. I mean, and that's just the fast forward. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get into some yes. details about some things, but I love yes. that. I can tell you've been asked and have told that story a million times. Memorized. Uh-huh. It's all, yeah, it's almost a monologue. Almost a monologue. <laughs> well, uh, next up we have Elaine. And Elaine, what's your history? Oh, boy. Let me see. I started, I guess, 
Young age, because my nickname is Scooter, and I used to scoot around the house. And wait, wait, pause. We're not gonna go past that. No, Scooter. Scooter. I've never heard that. They called it. They say most most of my friends I've had for many years, and some of my old relatives, they older relatives, uh-huh. call me Scoot. They just shortened <laughs> it to Scoot. But uh, actually, I didn't start dance until ten years old, and I okay. studied with Enith Collins, the late Enith Co- Collins, at the YMCA on Eighty Third Street. Okay. And after ballet class, it was all ballet, classical ballet. We would always go to the um, oh gosh, the hamburgers. It was the hamburger joint, Jack in the Box on Eighty Third <laughs> and Cottage Grove after ballet class. <laughs> I didn't know we had Jack in the Box in it Chicago. It was a Jack in the uh-huh. Box. Class I just learned something many, new many years ago. Then from there, I think maybe two years later, I was I went to a Sammy Dyer School of the Theater show, mm-hmm. and I want to go there. I told my mom, I want to go there. So I started taking class with Sammy Dyer under the tutelage of Shirley Hall Bass, the legendary Shirley Hall mm-hmm. Bass. Rest in power. And, of course, a host of other teachers that were on staff during that time. Um, then I had the privilege to studying with Joel Hall, uh, Homer Bryan, mm-hmm. and I went to New York and took classes at uh, Ailey Theater, and went to Dance Theater of Harlem, and then I decided I wanted to be a teacher of dance, <laughs> so I went to Columbia College, and I studied um, emphasis, teaching emphasis, and I'm going to back up a little bit. I did dance a little bit with uh, Shirley Hall of Martin Dance Company, as well as a Chicago-based company called V Connection. V? V. V Connection. The director was Venetia Halsell. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so V Connection. Okay. Wait, is that, did she get married and her last name changed to Stifler? She's still house. house. Oh, okay. So that's a different. Venetia is not a common name. So, and especially in dance in Chicago, but there's two. I just learned that. Okay. I'm now, um, well, I finished 26 years at Carver Military Academy. I had the dance program there 26 years. And I retired in July of 2021. And then now I'm the director of Sammy Dyer School of the Theater for finishing up my first year. Nice, nice. <laughs> That's quite a resume. Um, <laughs> where is the, the Carver Military Academy? That's located where? What, what neighborhood? It's all Gale uh, Garden community, 131st in Doty. Oh, yeah. See, I'm from the west side. We used to just call that the Wild Hunnets. Yeah. yeah anybody side. who, y'all going over to the Wild Hunnets? Man, oh, they don't play. But anyway, that's, that's, that's a little that's a little bit into my history. Um, so I love. I think the reason I wanted the two of you on is one, and we'll get into the this whole the African dance world, the ballet dance world. That of course, um, little little bit steeped in the tap dance world, <laughs> and how they connect, how they overlapped, and then how they differ, and but also. Also, all of us being directors here, all of us being dancers who became directors, like there's a different, I feel like it's like I used to watch um, Star Trek growing up. And I and I remember noticing that Captain Kirk would be able to do every job. If somebody mm-hmm. got out of chair, he could go sit in their chairs. Um, and then when other people got up, somebody would come sit in their chairs. And so I was always paying attention to knowing the ins and outs of whatever before you take control of it. And I, because I think you have more respect um, and then you can also guide people into it better. So anyway, that's just a thing. But so for you all, 
I thought, well, talking to some powerful black women in the city of Chicago about dance and their journeys. So now let's lean into a little bit. Uh, so, Regina, you had all that connection with Muntu, and now you're the artistic director of Muntu. So tell us a bit about Muntu's history as an African dance institution in the city of Chicago. So Muntu's history within the confines of what we love, <laughs> Chicago, started 51 years ago. Okay. Uh, I've been jokingly saying that we could celebrate our 50th for another five, six years, you know, <laughs> keep the party going. Uh, but 51 years that. of uplifting and elevating West African dance music and folklore, mm-hmm. and not just West African dance music and folklore, but dances of the African diaspora, mm-hmm. both ancient and traditional and contemporary adaptations okay. of traditional and ancient dances mm-hmm. from West Africa. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Muntu also being a theater, we focus on the African diaspora. So it really doesn't matter where our choreographers come to us from, mm-hmm. whether they have dances from Jamaica or South Africa mm-hmm. or Cameroon, Nigeria, the professionalism and the knowledge of our dancers, our professional dancers, lend us to be able to tell stories and folklore throughout the diaspora, no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as it aligns with our mission. Mm -hmm. And that is to uplift the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, just in its, at its base, you know, to tell the stories. Okay. Uh, One question comes to mind. It seems that all the African dance companies in Chicago, everything is based for the most part in West African dance. It seems. Uh, why is that? Ask that question again, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that all the African dance companies in Chicago, they're all based in West African dance. Why? Why, why is do that? I think that everything is based in West African? Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I will say this much. And I look over at Mr. <laughs> I forgot there's a camera on me too. <laughs> we got all them little looks. So yep, all yep, the looks. Yep. With Muntu being 51 mm-hmm. and one of the pillars, one of the grandfathers, a lot of the instructors, um, or I should say teachers, legends, and let me talk a little bit about um, Muntu was founded by a Lyle Talbert, mm-hmm. but there was actually a group of artists um, unifying humanity through cultural creativity, UHCC. Okay. And that was in the 70s, so you know that was a real deep, <laughs> a real deep group of people. Through that organization, Lyle and many artists mm-hmm. founded Muntu Dance Theater. Okay. Then... Papa Abdullah Kamara took over upon Alayo's transition, making mm-hmm. you know making his transition. Then Amanie, when um, Baba, when Papa Abdullah left, Amanie Payne mm-hmm. came to the organization. Mm-hmm. She was there for thirty three, thirty four years. Mm-hmm. All of their specialties were in West African. Mm-hmm. So I think West African is what made its way over here uh-huh. first. 
So all of the proficiencies in dance from the African diaspora, mm-hmm. all of the stories were coming directly out of West. So we're like a bunch of little lineages uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. of the information that came over here, uh-huh. you know, through the early 70s. So I think people grasp onto that okay. because that was the information that was brought. Whereas they, um, you had Jean Toy here who taught dances from Ghana. Okay. You know, but I think it's the West African and the way it blends into theater mm. and where you can take artistic license. Mm. And it's exciting. Okay. So I think that's why people kind of grasp to the West African. Okay. You know, and then also West African, you can almost write your own stories. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you are in a place where it's heavily populated mm-hmm. and there's a lot of knowledge and culture, you you're held to a more interesting like or a higher standard mm-hmm. versus if you take West African and let's say you've only seen one or two YouTube videos, you right. can go out to, you know, <laughs> Timbuk <laughs> to <Timbuk>. Illinois. <laughs> Put two things together and say, hey, look, I'm the foremost of knowledge. Mm. So I kind of think that West African, we're in a place where you can still kind of write your own story mm-hmm. depending on who you're around. Okay. So I think it takes a lot of integrity and a lot of responsibility to go and do the studying and make yourself like a lifelong student of mm-hmm. the culture. But I feel like the information is more rapidly coming from West Africa. Okay. If it was, you know... We have people do South African dance and everything, but, you know, South Africa has its story. Right, right. So it wasn't like a lot of African-Americans were running to South Africa to get some information. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> and that was no. all the way up to the 90s. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's it, true. Apartheid. Yeah. But that makes sense because in, in my mind, it's just because that's where a majority of our ancestors came from that ended up here through the slave trade, those that came that route, because we, you know, there's a whole bunch of conversations going on right now about those of us who were here already. And and on the Either And podcast, I subscribe to the theory that some of us were brought, some of us were here, some of us were explorers that came of our own free will, and together that makes up our population. But those of us that were brought, West Africa was mainly the ports that everybody was brought out of. But when you think about it, you were punished. You could not hold on. Like to to be inside of American civilization, mm-hmm. to assimilate, you had to lose yeah. Yeah. your information, lose yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not like we were past certain things of West African tradition because you could be so severely punished mm-hmm. for carrying that information. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's how we get those adaptations of all these wonderful other, you know, uh-huh. all these other wonderful dance styles because of those, you know, magnificent, you know, I want to keep something. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's hide it. Let's, that let's makes, hide it in the, yeah, the tap dancing. Yep, let's, yep, hide let's, hide the, <laughs> let's hide it in the jig. Let's hide uh-huh, it in the Lindy uh-huh. hop. Let's hide it in all of this other cake jazz. Walk. Yeah. The cake walk. <laughs> let's hide it yeah. because we have, we can't, what West African culture was deemed uncivilized. That's right. So we're I'm I'm an advocate because believe it or not it's still so new. Mm-hmm. You know and it's still so fresh and there's still so many opportunities to learn and I'm 
a person who says, I know 1% of 1% of 1%. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Because I don't fully speak the language. There are hundreds of languages. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just getting a hold of Wolof <laughs> in Senegal. And then we go to Kasama's region and they throw Jola in there. And I was like, well, what? You, you're not speaking. No, this is Jola. This is Jola Buluf. Oh, that's not Wolof. Oh, man. You know what I mean? So as soon as you're getting a hold of one, my French is growing. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, you know, there's so many hundreds of languages, so you cannot ever know all of anything until you speak a language fluently. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, the legacy of the Sammy Dyer School of the Theater. So you said, Montu, 51 years? 51. What's, what's, what's going on with the Sammy Dyer School? 90 years. 90 oh, years. Come on. Yes. I, I, I knew she was, was going to outdo. <laughs> so talk to me about that legacy. I, I, you know, I know a little bit of it because I, too, am a product of the Sammy Dyer School of Theater. But, of course, I want you to share it. I can, can give you that information. Oh, wow. Sammy Dyer has been a training school. And mm -hmm. Sammy, the late, great Sammy Dyer, uh, he wanted to provide dance training for people that did not have enough money you know, mm -hmm. to provide them a, an opportunity to take class and to learn different areas of dance. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Ballet, tap, jazz, acrobatics. Uh, that we just recently, within the five years, have added hip-hop, and we had African as well in our um, some of our dance training. And, and you know, I, I just think um, giving students, giving young people an opportunity to learn different styles of dance, uh, just maybe not becoming a professional dancer, but just exposing them to dance, giving them an ability to develop self-confidence, mm -hmm, self-esteem, mm -hmm. and learning dance and, and, and getting out there performing. Because a lot of students, don't, don't, they don't have an opportunity to get mm -hmm. on stage, and they really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They really, really do enjoy it. And um, I don't know. I just think this style of, uh, well, Things have changed, put it that way. <laughs> Things have really changed. And, Do tell. <laughs> and I know I'm getting off a, no. a little bit, but um, parents, younger, these younger parents that are bringing our children to take class, bringing their children to take class, they're not as committed mm -hmm. as when I was a student and when you were a student. And I'm sure, Regina, when you were a student going to class, because I, I loved I, five days a week I'm in class. And these children, they come one day a week. <laughs> and their parents, and I can't fault the child because it's the parent. The parent, they're not bringing the kids consistently. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. they do expect their children, why come my child doesn't know how to do this? Why come my child can't go to the next level? You know, and but you don't come on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then I said, it's not like grade in, in school where you go from one, uh, from first grade to second grade if you pass all the tests. And I said, well, in dance especially for Sammy Dyer, because we only meet one day a week. Mm -hmm. Our classes are one day, one day a week, but our children, they do phenomenally well as far as when they get on their stage. The people would say, you're kidding. They only come one day a week, and that's one day a week. And for what they execute in their performances, makes a very it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, let me. you made me think of something about commitment. So when I was a child going to Sammy Dyer, it was a full family thing. 
My mom couldn't afford it. My aunt brought us all, me and my cousins. My aunt, we all, she was the transpo. My uncle was working in corporate America, so he would kick in some money. And it like, and, and it, so it's interesting that you talk about the commitment of bringing because it was so important to my whole family that we came to our dance classes, that they made it happen. When one fell short, the others would chip in and, and, and make that thing happen. And so I think, you know, I'm at that age now where I do a lot of back in my day. I'm already at that back in my day. I remember the good old days. But that was one of those things I wish we still had more of, communities and families coming together to make sure that our babies can get these benefits that these arts programs and and, and different things have to offer. Um, but I don't think people really grasp, you said 90 years, 91? 90. 90. 90 years as a black-owned dance school. I mean, 51 as well, but 90 as a black-owned dance school in the city of Chicago. Can you talk just a little bit to, I know you weren't here all 90 of those years, mm. but the time you were around, and even the stories from uh, Miss Muriel Foster, who who I had the pleasure of, of, of sitting, sitting talking a lot with, but about some of the, the trials and tribulations of running that kind of dance school in the city of Chicago. I can speak current mm-hmm. in, compared to years ago. Um, okay. Being a student in Sammy Dyer for since age, I think I started 11 or 12. Uh-huh. We had so many students. And at one time, I, I'm not sure if it was accurate enough, but we had those placards that we would put around on the, uh, the street poles and, uh, in the stores, uh, said Sammy Dyer School of Theater's annual production and a cast of 365 <laughs> students. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure if we had 365 students, but we had a lot of students. <laughs> one for a each lot day of, of the year. <laughs> a lot of students. Miss Bass, well, she's the one who put, that, put it out there, 365 students. But we did have a lot of students. I would say it would probably be close to 200 or more and maybe started out and then fell off it towards the end of the school year. But I said that to say I lost my train of thought. Um, that's why I don't like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the side the side trains be good too, um, because I didn't I, I didn't know that y'all had like that kind of student body, like three hundred. That's yeah. And we were at twenty twenty first in Michigan, mm-hmm. and then we moved to twenty fourth in Michigan. That's where I went. Right, 24th. I went to twenty fourth in Michigan. But I, I was thinking about, and that day back in the times, um, we didn't have to market for students. We, it was all, you come to our show, we can make sure we have a lot of people that wanted to take class. The mm-hmm. next year, the parents would sign their children up. Now it's different. Mm-hmm. You have to get out. Well, for me, it's different because I'm really new to this uh, as far as being a director. Uh, we have, I had to hire a marketing representative to come in and help mm-hmm. to get things out on the social media platforms. Um because this is the new. This is the yeah, so, social century. media is a whole nother beast. And we, we <laughs> definitely, Sammy Dyer, never had to. We've always, it, it word was a mouth. family, word yeah. of mouth. Or your, your child came, or, you know, your sibling. And once you had children, then you bring your children or tell family members or tell friends. And that's how our, our enrollment uh, consisted of mm-hmm. word of mouth, like you said. But now it's totally different. And I have to rely on uh, being more <laughs> me as being the director now and, have, and learning things is a challenge for me. Uh-huh. But um, getting help from outside resources 
to help market through this. Social and I think we've all had to learn that lesson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but mm-hmm. so here's a question and, and both of you all can speak to this as, as you see fit, but you brought up a point, word of mouth, lots of students early on. And even in the beginning of this conversation, you said training institution. I think with social media now, nobody worries about training. They just want to get on, show as many people, get the likes, get the follows, maybe get a endorsement, whatever. I don't, I don't know how all that stuff works, but, but training is no longer holds the same space in in society as as a whole. I think. But what do you what do you all see in terms of the respect for training? I think it, I think it <laughs> depends on the person. Uh-huh. Social media is that instant gratification. Mhm. Um I I was talking about this yesterday. I <laughs> I'm like is this a kid-friendly podcast or is it for adults only? We 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 try to stay family friendly. Well, okay, so then I'll say it like this. <laughs> um, we were at a conference, um, IABD, uh-huh. Association, Inter- International Association of Blacks and Dance. Yes, um, yes. We are also a cohort member. Yeah, Miss Charmaine <laughs> Jefferson was talking about, I'll say it like this, um, the PG version, dance being self-gratification. <laughs> so when I say that, I guess it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. It depends on what your intentions are and what you want your knowledge base to be. Because I think right now social media is the epitome of give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of deal. You know, because the training is what sustains you and what gives you depth Mm -hmm. and gives you the opportunity to become that chameleon and morph into Whatever, you know, if you take that training to be um, commercial, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's training for that. Or if you take if your aim is to be in a dance company, whether it be ballet or whether it be, you know, modern Mm -hmm. or West African. It it depends on your mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you grab a cell phone and hit up a little two second TikTok (laughs) video and get 19 million views (laughs) because you've never taken a day of dance in your life and and now you're a dancer. And now you're the go-to dancer. Now you're the go-to dancer. And you have to say it like that. You can't just say I'm the go-to dancer. You have to say it with bravado. The go-to dancer. (laughs) And you just did like a 30 second TikTok video. It just depends on the intention. So I am one of those people where it's like a yes and everything else. Uh Like I kind of feel like that there are people who really want the training, but I think that there becomes this divide mm-hmm. because the people who do bust their behinds to train mm-hmm. are looking at the other folks that are doing these 30 seconds, like, like get your whole <laughs> life. It, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think that there is that moment where it's great to have these kind of conversations uh-huh. to understand, uh-huh. like, you know, what the intentions are, you know, of, yeah. of the person and what they're intending to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think just <laughs> Mad Rhythms has definitely adapted the either and, you know, social media approach. And I do agree with you. I think it's what you're going to do with it. I mean, um, someone 
a young man came here to ph- photograph for Star Dixon had a Valentine's Day tap workshop. And the young man came to do some photos. It was a student back in Sundance days. Oh, wow. Uh, his name, oh, I can't, Rich is, 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 is his nickname. Okay. But anyway, he came in and he saw, he was talking to me and he said, man, I, li- I like the podcast studio. Did you go to school for that? And I was like, yep, YouTube University. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but it just, that story makes me think of like the, like I use YouTube to figure out a lot of things. Anything I don't know now, I go to YouTube and see if I can get help. And it has become a literally a stream of knowledge to add to the base that I already have. But I also ask people I know that are experts, experts in the field. And if it's something that could be dangerous, i.e. I call an expert. And I think all those things, if you translate that to dance, yeah, you can learn so much off of social media and doing these challenges and all that stuff. TikTok, I mean, they booming with the dance challenges. But it's funny, I always notice the difference when dancers do the dance challenges versus versus just the regular kids who don't dance doing them. And I'm like, see that? You know why that looks like that? Because there's technique, there's training there. But I, I also, but you're right. But if the kid gets a million likes and views or whatever, they'll never even pay attention that the dancers look a certain way doing it. And exactly. And <laughs> if, if that person wants to transition into TV uh-huh. or transition into theater, we don't know those struggles yeah. because there are certain, you know, foundations yeah. that weren't established. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So we're right now the, 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 Social media is the king of that raw talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there are some people who just need the opportunity. Yeah. So I love it for all of the all of the above. Right, right. I love it for all of the above. <laughs> and I think, you know, I was taught at a very early age, a little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> My father was a doctor and... You know, I want that and, on the shirt. Yeah, no, yeah, no. A little bit of knowledge is a really dangerous thing. And I, I got to tell the story. It was a medical book, and, you know, my birds and the bees talk was real interesting. And it was like, if you do this without that, you're going to get this. And I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> he like, read the book, Regina. Read the book. I'm like, that's all you had to tell me was, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> to read it. <laughs> Not the one sentence. Right, 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 <laughs> read right. Read the thousand sentences behind it. You know, so I, I, I think I think that's the moral with the social media. Mm-hmm. It just really, to me, depends on the intention of the person. with, And if they're training, what they want to know when they get in that competitive field. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing. Social media um, puts you in a silo. Yeah. It's just you and your camera. <laughs> but when you have to compete, or when you have to get in there and compete for that job, mm-hmm. you know, when Missy has that audition. Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. And a thousand people show up. <laughs> do you make it? Yeah. And, and, you know, and that makes me think, even going back to, Elaine, what you were talking about with the legacy of Sammy Dyer, like the Dyerettes mm-hmm. had the reputation. Mm-hmm. The Vashinettes, which was the next generation. Was there a generation after that? The Junior, junior Dyerettes. Excuse me, the Junior Vashinettes, and then the group that I was with was the Shirley Hall Martin Dance Company. Oh, see, I just, okay, so there was four. Well. There was the Diorettes, the, the Vashinettes, the Junior, junior. Vashinettes, mm-hmm. and then the Shirley Hall. Martin Dance Com- Company. Okay. And that was the reason where Adela Reed, uh, Benita Broya, Regina Evans, Sharon, 
Robinson Hightower, <laughs> myself, and a few other ladies too that wow. were part of that group. Okay. Yeah. See, I just yeah, that just I just learned some things there because I've been since diorettes and fashionettes for years, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that 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 legacy went so much more in depth. Um, training. So you've had <laughs> a lot of training. Lot of training. <laughs> <laughs> what made you? What made ballet the thing that spoke to you or connected? I guess because I started out with Enoch Collins with ballet, strictly classical ballet. Uh-huh. That was always a love of mine. But I began to enjoy, when I came to Sammy Dyer, taking many uh, genres of dance, uh, the tap, which, which was not my forte. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed jazz and enjoyed the modern uh, acrobatics, I didn't do that great in acrobatics, but we had to because it was, we had to take it. Sammy Dyer, you had to take all of those classes. Uh-huh. You know, you had to be introduced, and that's a great thing. Now, in our time, you have an option. Only thing that we mandate for Sammy Dyer students, ballet is mandatory. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, we had to take ballet. We had to tap, acrobatics, jazz, and and theater too. We mm-hmm. had to take theater classes, you know, so, and singing. So you know? if you didn't like something, it was because you tried it and didn't like it, yeah. not because you just never wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's a distinction I wanted to say out loud because I always I tell kids that a lot. I'm like, just try it. If you don't like it, at least you know that you don't like it because you tried it. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, mean, I don't like tap. Have you ever tried it? No. Well, how you know you don't like right. it? <laughs> I go through that all the time. Um, so what would you say, and I, I kind of got into this conversation a little bit with Miss Foster, Miss Muriel Foster, um, about the Sammy Dyer School. When I was growing up, everybody always kind of talked as if there was these different, <laughs> it was almost like gangs in Chicago. And I know that's in the African world too, like um, in the African dance world too, but like, in my mind, Sammy Dyer and Tommy Sutton, there was no they, they were like, you know, the Crips and Bloods of the dance world. Or or and and then uh Jimmy Payne Senior, that there was no overlap. And then in talking to Miss Foster and talking to to uh, Peggy, Peggy Sutton, I started learning about the support that y'all had for one another. And I'm like, nobody ever talked about Mr. Dyer taking all the kids and Mr. Sutton bringing all the kids and all that stuff. And, and I don't think there was any rivalry in the earlier days. Uh, well, I wasn't there in the 60s. The late 70s for me, I don't remember. We always embrace one another. Uh, Tommy Sutton School, Mayfair Academy, uh, Field Crest, uh, mm-hmm. Sammy Dyer, and, uh, lots of other dance schools that I can't remember right now. We've always embraced one and always supported one another, never downplayed one another. Yeah. So today is a little different. You know, <laughs> so much competition, you know. <laughs> but I think it's important for people to hear that. And then w- what about in the African dance world? Is it a similar, the kind of same situation? I would situation? say it's a similar situation because I remember when I was young, and I'm I'm still young. But <laughs> when you were young, when I was uh. when I was younger, um, I took class with everybody. I took uh-huh. class at Sundance. I took class at Najwa. I took class at Muntu. Um, we went to conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, um, and I was just just talking about this with someone the other day that Najwa Dance Corps had an amazing conference for years, uh-huh. and everyone would come out um, to support at Malcolm X. 
So I, when I was younger, it was the energy was very united. And uh-huh. then, you know, we had awesome events like the Kwanzaa uh-huh. at Malcolm X where you would get to see everybody from mm-hmm. the city and such things like that. So there were so many unifying events. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember there being, you know, the, <laughs> the, the gang warfare. <laughs> no. Uh, and I, I say that with a smile. Um, there was a lot, a lot of support. It's like you have to, you know, and I, I adapt the same I adapt the same belief system now. Uh-huh. You know, when a restaurant opens on Restaurant Row, who's happiest? The other restaurants. The other, other restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Because you have that capability to grow. Right. And somebody is going to bring attention to that Restaurant Row. Uh-huh. So in this case, the more we have of West African dance, it brings more attention, which brings attention to everybody, not just one particular company, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. uplifting the dance style. And we're still in this battle to be legit, legitimate, (laughs) you know, with the beliefs, because you have so many people who, because of historical reasons, because of Mm -hmm. personal beliefs, still kind of frown at West African dance Uh because it doesn't have the same aesthetic or it doesn't come with the set of same guidelines as, you know, People who do the more westernized dance styles. So we're kind of constantly <laughs> Sounds advocating. a lot like tap. Yes. Right. What we go through in the tap world. We're kind of constantly advocating <laughs> to be special and <laughs> to be recognized well, as so, real. So here's an interesting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an interesting connection. So African and tap share that like, step cousin to the traditional dance world whereas ballet is respected but then black ballerinas and black ballet dancers are then in a position to have to still fight from within like that as well so i I don't know can you speak a little bit to what you've encountered or had to encounter in dealing with you know raising all these brown dancers who who will enter the black will enter ballet and enter other professional genres of dance have have you i don't know do you have stories or things that might come to mind about challenges or or even things you impart to them to get them ready for it before you answer that thank you thank you 15 can you restate that? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, let, let me just take it right there. Is there any advice that you give young black dancers, especially those that focus on ballet, into, like, everybody knows, kind of now knows Misty Copeland, and Misty Copeland has mentioned other ballet dancers who kind of broke a lot of barriers in terms of black women and black people doing ballet, but being that the Sammy Dyer is a legendary training institution, are there things that you try to impart uh, in, a, in, a, in a strong way into the dancers that you're raising? Well, we're not strictly a ballet school. We have various right. genres of dance. And I guess because we tell our students ballet is your foundation of mm-hmm. dance, you know, you need to have a strong foundation, a strong base to have some technique, you know, as you continue pursuing your endeavors of being a dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think that would be the main thing is just to in well not in well, I can say enforce enforce them to understand that ballet is very important technique mm-hmm. is very important if you want to be a well-rounded dancer mm-hmm. you, know, you have to have that base that that foundation I like the second way you said that I like the second way you said that because the first way, you know, we've had those conversations. So do you, you still think ballet is the is the foundation of all dance? I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, because it gives you some technique, some form. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, definitely you can take a jazz class or a hip-hop class. But if you don't know the terminology, like in... But hip-hop yeah. doesn't use hip-hop any doesn't. ballet type terminology. You're right. Hip-hop <laughs> doesn't. But in jazz, it may uh-huh. say do a pirouette or do a time. Yeah, that's true. Or a that's true. Or grand jeté, mm-hmm. you know, that, which you learn in ballet. Um, tap, of course, you don't use too many. <laughs> Maybe plie, bend your knees or something. Well, yeah, well, and, and that's because... And there's a whole history there yes, in Hollywood. Yes, totally and, different. And, but, um, and it's good. And we're getting to this toward the end. Go mm-hmm. ahead. So, okay, I'm about to be the real rebel. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but I always say West African is not the absence of technique, but the presence of all technique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I feel like ballet is the universally accepted language of dance. Mm-hmm. Where when you, you take, no matter where you are, whether you're in America, Europe, Anywhere, a plie is a plie. Yeah, yeah. Tondu is a tondu. Yep, we so talk the about language that. is what makes it the universally accepted. But like, I'm always going to advocate that the foundation of dance is like is is the African is West African, South African, mm-hmm. <laughs> Central African. <laughs> you know, it's the base of that. It's Are you the, being biased? It's, I'm, no, and it's not. It's it's more so. It's coming from like that center. And then I've had an interesting conversation with, um, oh, you know, you need to talk to, you need to talk to Miss uh, Nicole Clark Springer, ah. artist director of Deeply Rooted. Okay. And she talks a lot about the history of ballet starting at the Moors. Mm. So it was black people who took the, yeah. that around. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. And the Moors come out of right. <laughs> Africa. So that's a real interesting conversation. But I but that's what I say I like to advocate for the foundation and I consider that foundation that bounce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the bounce. But if something is deemed uncivilized and you know that's uh, right it's uh, going to be yeah. And it's not going to ever be accepted as mm-hmm. uh the status quo or any quo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just kind of feel like ballet is the universally accepted. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I, and I, like, I think it's actually, I like too. it's actually, it can be that it can be, it's not the great equalizer, but it can be that barrier mm-hmm. because you have a child that's only done hip hop or only done this. And then you go to commercial or you go to certain auditions mm-hmm. And then they say, oh, you looked great doing that. So, like, um, when you think about it, so you think you can dance. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would you would show your natural talent, but now show me this grand jeté. And you're like, yeah. what in the deuce is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think it could be, I think it's that barrier also. 
mm-hmm. to disenfranchise. I think it's different now, but I know back, at least in my day, mm-hmm. when I took ballet and I, I took it first because, you know, my mom's mindset was, hey, you got to take ballet because you got to know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard Debbie Allen quote, if you do two styles, ballet and West African, you can do anything. Mm. I believe that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe mm-hmm. that you have to have that duality. Um, but ballet, I loved it for the grace. It's, I think it's given me great grace. Mm-hmm. But my booty never cooperated. <laughs> you know, it was like, be flat. I'm like, it's, I, it's tucked. Like, yeah, my, you know what I mean? My, my <laughs> like, it was for, for my. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, my mom used to tell me those stories too about when she took ballet class and the teacher would. All the black girls, they keep telling them to flatten their butts, and they they I'm looking like, at them it's like not, it's, 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 it's there. It's not gonna get any not flatter. Going anywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, but once again, I think that there are there's beauty. Well, one, I'm a, a dance advocate. I I'm as a well. dance advocate, mm-hmm. you know. But I like to recognize where it's been used as barriers. Uh huh. You know, it's been weaponized. It's totally yeah. been weaponized. Yeah versus, you know, having it all inclusive and such things like that. But I do think it's absolutely necessary to take you wherever you need to go. But then I think that you really look at the, like, the where dance starts. And I was just talking to my students about this the other day. Like, where does your movement begin? Mm-hmm. In your center. Mm-hmm. Oh, you was asking that out loud. Yeah. I thought you was. No, no, I, I pause for. You... I pause for the <laughs> effect. <laughs> no, but your dance starts. You know. Yeah. It starts there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like because it starts in the center, it starts with a soul. Starts with a spirit. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that's 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 African. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I will say I, I'm glad we got to this part of the yes, conversation. Yeah. Um, because so <laughs> I was on a, a zoom talking about dance and something, something, and someone came on the zoom. I don't even remember. I think this was for IBD like two years ago, but someone, this was during, yeah, during the pandemic, but someone said they thought that I did not like ballet. They were like, Oh, Brill Barrett doesn't like ballet. And I was like, where did y'all get that from? I said, what I'm always talking about is the unequal treatment that tap has received. Right. And how ballet teachers would tell students don't tap because it ruins your ankles Mm. or like and then I and I would and then I would often say, but I would never tell a student doing ballet. Don't do that because it ruins your tap ankles. I think it's two different techniques. And if you want to be good, you have to learn each of those techniques. So I've always had a respect for ballet. I love, I love watching it. Mm -hmm. I love the, 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 the control, the knowledge of body movement, the placement. I love all of that. I just don't agree that it's the foundation of dance because there's things that were here before it existed. So how could it be the foundation? That's 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 where my that's where I I live. But people take that to go, oh, he's always talking against ballet or he doesn't like ballet and I'm like, "Nah. I think anything that takes you from this to that in whatever way that is is something to be respected and again, it's a beautiful art form." So, I just wanted to say that again. Especially for the either and, I love that that you quoted Debbie Allen because that's perfect for the either and. Take West African, take ballet, and you can do anything. I do. I like that. I like that. 
Yeah. So <laughs> we, we, we got there. Yeah. I've been educated. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it's I think it's um I love that dance in general is starting to broaden its horizons. Uh-huh. So I think a lot of the reason why people say ballet, ooh, because it was only telling certain stories mm-hmm. and only mm-hmm. reflecting the experience of a certain people. Yeah. And now that you have um a more diverse set of storytellers, mm-hmm. it's becoming more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, and, and Broadway's <laughs> getting his hands on everything. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you get to see all kinds of stories and the diverse storytelling. Mm-hmm. So, that's what I'm happy to see about dance. The storytelling is becoming broader. Yeah, I agree. Any uh, any final thoughts? I, I like that you just said I've been educated. <laughs> <laughs> changes uh, as the years have grown uh, grown um there's many changes that are occurring dance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i i accept what you said <laughs> <laughs> i love it now you know if i could get our politicians to do this very thing this and 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 again so and that's the whole thing behind why i wanted to do this podcast because a lot of people think the solution lies in either or and i'm a firm believer that sometimes it just takes this conversation to figure out the and and I think, again, quoting Debbie Allen, one of our greats, one of our legends, um, you put it out there on the table. Just take both and you could. <laughs> it's either take and. Both. It's either and. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's what I had always been told. And now I have to look at it differently now. Uh-huh. Because I've been told I've, it, it has been embedded in me mm-hmm. that ballet was your, 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 your training your technique and your base, your foundation for dance. But now that I look at, th- you know, differently and listening to you, both of you, things have changed. Mm-hmm. And I guess I <laughs> make some changes. <laughs> make sure I don't say that anymore. Well, I, on that note, I think that is the perfect way to end the podcast. Thank you. I'd real. like to thank you all for spending some time with me. This was a great conversation. Yeah, um, yeah we were going to try to do around like 45 minutes, but yeah, we had like 50 because that's, that was good conversation. Um, but I'd like to thank you all. You could have did anything with today, especially in this gloomy weather we're having in Chicago. You could have just stayed in the house <laughs> and relaxed, and y'all came out to hang with me for an hour. So I really do appreciate it. I thank you. Any parting words, Regina? What does Brill always say? I'm going to hearken his words. Respect the dance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And by the way, if people think that just means tap, whatever the dance is you do, it's what it means. Yeah, respect all dance. That's it. That's it. And trust your <laughs> trust your technique. Trust, trust your foundation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trust your foundation. Final words? <laughs> I know I've been changed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, we as black women and uh, both of us having, and not excluding you. No, I, but I don't mind. <laughs> but we're, I don't mind at all. March, Women's History March. That's right, that's right. Women that continue to, to fight their fight, to encourage one another, and yes. I shall keep it moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Changes. Challenges. Yeah, so, look, I'm aware, I, I'm aware of my male privilege, and I want to use it to be an ally to women, period. So... 
Hey. I don't mind being excluded at all. And I'm, we, and we I've been included them. enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in certain aspects, then we get into yeah, man, we it's get a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we get. Podcast. <laughs> 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 well, this has been the Either Am Podcast. I'm your host, Brill Barrett, and uh, we hope to see you soon on the other end. Peace. <laughs>